passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. On behalf of the Miami Dolphins, Sam and Chris of Welcome to Perfectville would like to express our deepest gratitude and say goodbye to the greatest general manager in Miami Dolphins history, Bill O'Brien. The citizens of Perfectville thank you for your service to the team and wish you well on your future endeavors. Fins up. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, available in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your third place Miami Dolphins. I never thought I'd say it, but thank God for the Jets. Otherwise, we'd be in last. My name is Sam Marku, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the doctor of Dolphinology, the one, the only, Chris Cullen. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? Oh, Sam, two-time in Dolphinology. I love that. I wish that was a real thing. It is a real thing. I'm a doctor of it. You are the doctor, the one, the only. We uh, we go to you for any and all advice, diagnosis, everything. And uh, you know what? My diagnosis is that I'm drinking early in the show. I've got my Aronde Baxton, the official merchandise of Welcome to Perfectville. Uh, because the Miami Dolphins lose again, Chris. We drop to one in three. The first quarter of the season is over, and it's a losing quarter for the Miami Dolphins. We lose to the Seattle Seahawks, which, look, we both kind of thought that was going to happen. Seattle's a very good team. Miami's still rebuilding. But I think it was in the fashion on how they lost, Chris. It was uh, very obvious that we were a young team that made young mistakes because we were in this game late. We're, we're in this game late, and it's this, not the first time this season we lost the team that was better than us where we were in a game late. I'm really thinking about the Buffalo game. Um, it was disappointing because I think we want our team to be better. We want to progress. And we just proved to ourselves and to everyone that we're just not there yet. But enough to you know tickle the balls a little bit and tease us because, like you said, we we, we hung with Russell Wilson and uh, uh, other than some just drastic red zone play, we probably win that game or come very close to it. 
Well, like you said, tickling the balls, and those are cleanly shaven balls thanks to Manscaped, one of the sponsors here of Welcome to Perfectville, a part of the Fanatics Network, I should mention there, Chris. It wasn't just the red zone play because we are going to talk about that, but when I talk about young mistakes, I'm talking about going into halftime only down a couple of points and then somehow giving up a 53-yard bomb to my neighbor. I mean, I don't even know who the heck David Moore is <laughs> and allowing the Seattle Seahawks to not only score but score a touchdown and then get the ball back in the second half of the, of, of the, uh, of, of the game. I mean, those are those types of points that just kill you because that's seven points that didn't need to happen. That's seven points, especially had you gone down and at that point kicked another field goal but made that gap smaller, but instead they put seven up, then get the ball back. I mean, it's a, it's a deflating way to end the half and it just makes you on your heels the second half of the game. It's those types of young mistakes uh, that a young team is going to make. And uh, I heard a stat during the game here, Chris, which I thought was just fascinating and also really kind of hurt me to my core. The Miami Dolphins have not won a game against an opponent that was three or oh or better since 2006. What's that mean? Three and zero or better? Because I saw that set too. Is that like undefeated? Because yeah. okay, because we haven't been we beat a team that's like nine and three or something. No, but I think what they're talking about is any team that's undefeated with three wins or more. The Miami Dolphins have not been able to overcome since two thousand six, which is almost fifteen years ago. Yeah, that's unbelievable. My son wasn't even born yet. He's going into high school in a year. So that just tells you how bad that stat is. And yeah, going back to the halftime thing, Sam, that was depressing. That's like one of those things where you're fully expecting maybe for them to get a field goal. Uh, sorry, they're filming the uh, next Fast and the Furious outside my house. If you can pick that up on the microphone. Um, Vin Diesel is a, might be a guest on the second hour of the show. So just pay attention. Stick, stick tight. Um, Don't hold your breath for Paul Walker, though. He wishes he could hold his breath. Uh, speaking of dying early, uh, the Miami Dolphins uh, at halftime there, we had a chance to score. You know, we score, we can actually hold them. We know they're getting the ball the next half. My brother said it during the game. That was classic New England Patriots where they def- uh, deferred, scored, went in halftime, got the ball again. And like you said, on the heels, you're on roller skates, and especially a young team when we had every advantage going into this, considering who we were playing, of course, with a home field advantage, with the heat, them in the dark jerseys, uh, you know, traveling across from the West Coast, everything like that. Um, and we just let them do that. You can't let them do that. And it's the young guy, Noah I, he made a, it looked like he just got sucked in on an inside read when you just absolutely in that situation cannot let that happen. You have to defend deep. No one behind you. That's how we teach kids in middle school. No one behind you. Call it the prevent defense. Call it in the clouds. Whatever you want to do. My team is a Spartan, so I have a Greek mythology type style. So I call it Zeus, and that's the call to get uh, uh, the kids back deep where no one gets past them. And uh, we let them do that. And like you said, it's a complete nobody. Um, you, you expect maybe Metcalf or um, uh, Lockett, but not him, your neighbor, uh, who just you know never lets you borrow sugar. And he just completely throw out, uh, called the HOA on the Miami Dolphins defense and uh, took them into halftime and really just um, crushed crushed our hopes and dreams. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Noah Igbenogany, I think I nailed it for the first time. Noah Igbenogany, I think I'm there. Finally, week five, I learned his name because he keeps getting beat. I keep seeing it on my screen of him running, a, you know, trying to catch the receivers there, Chris. He let David Moore, and I wish we had a guy named David Moore instead of Tunga Valua and Ogonlea and Igbenogane and everybody else that we have there. But uh, David Moore, who nobody's ever heard of. Uh, Seattle Seahawks fans were looking this guy up. They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> Not only gets that one, he gets a touchdown in the second half of the game and just destroys us. And you know what? This defense without Byron Jones uh, is showing the fact that it needs somebody like Byron Jones. And, you know, I think Byron Jones is probably going to play against the Niners. We're going to talk about that game in the second half of the show here today. But it just shows you 
the education that Noah Ibnagane is going to, he's going to have to take these negative, you know, educational teaching moments and turn them into positives and understand the next time he's in that situation, what he has to do versus what he absolutely cannot do. Because what happened right before halftime is inexcusable. Even if you're four weeks in or four games into your, you know, rookie season, that just can't happen. And that's poor coaching and that's poor execution of that poor coaching. Uh, so there's no excuse for that. I put that touchdown right before the half on Noah Igbenogany and uh, the defensive uh, side of the ball in general. Um, but it's not just the defense. I mean, for the first three weeks, Chris, it really was the defense and the offense seemed like they were there. But I, I have to question what is happening with this offense right now. Because when I look at this team and I see that the Seattle Seahawks can't defend the pass whatsoever. And I look at the stats at the end of the game and I see Mike Gesicki with one catch for 15 Ugh. yards. Preston Williams with one catch for 15 yards. Matt Breda had a 26-yard catch out of the backfield, which is kind of that ball control passing offense that you and I were talking about that we needed to do last week or, you know, for that game. Uh, but he only gets two more catches for, for 10 more yards after that. I mean, why isn't Matt Breda more involved? Why isn't Miles Gaskin more involved out of the backfield for a game like this? Yes, Durham Smythe caught some balls. Yes, they're going to target in on Mike Kosicki, but he's open. He's out there. We're not having him in the game plan. I don't know if it's bad reads by Ryan Fitzpatrick, bad play calling by Chan Gailey or bad, you know, route running by our wide receivers. But when Devontae Parker, who has been Devontae Parker, I wrote an apology letter last week, in fact, uh, is the only guy that you can rely on in an offense where you're supposed to have three big, fast, strong receivers in Parker, Williams, and Gesicki. That's a problem. It's a huge problem, and I think it's a combination of both because I saw some old 22 photos, and Ryan Fitzpatrick missed a lot of downfield throws, and he didn't seem to throw down the field at all. Like, he just was taking the middle stuff, um, maybe a, you know, a couple dump-offs here or there, but as far as going deep, maybe a couple times, completely inaccurate. And then you watch these, uh, the film, and he's going to Darren Smythe for like a four- or five-yard gain when Jakeem Grant completely burned a guy on a double move and is wide open. I don't know if he doesn't trust if he can't make it there. I don't know if he didn't see it. And then uh, going back into coaching, um, th- this is a guy that did spread it around last year. The same guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You go to Williams one game, Parker the next game. They were like 1A, 1B when their stats before uh, Preston Williams got hurt last year. So, and Gusecki had a great uh, season as well. So maybe it is the coaching because Ryan Fitzpatrick's the same guy uh, and we're just not spreading the ball around. There's no way. Um, and I think the most frustrating thing, Sam, is is watching other teams play. And I'm watching teams running these deep crossing routes and these underneath uh, drags to op- move the linebacker over for a deep 15-yard dig by like their best receiver or something. Why aren't we doing that? Like it's just it, it, the throws aren't – Uh, being made. It looked like Fitzpatrick was kind of pushing the ball out there when he did try to go further than 10 yards, and he's just not spreading it around. The fact that you're playing one of the best passing defense in the NFL and Gesicki and Preston Williams are getting one catch apiece, uh, they had two more than we did, Sam, and that's just unacceptable. No, I mean, I'm sitting here in a Lion King shirt and you're over there drinking Duff beer, which isn't even a real beer. If you're watching us on video right here on YouTube, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but that's not, a, that's not okay. And we're to a point where I think we need to expect more out of this offense, especially after we saw what they did against Buffalo, what they did against New England, which by the way, New England looked very pedestrian once Cam Newton was gone this week. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But this was an opportunity for us to not only beat a team that 
was better than us, like you mentioned earlier in the show, which by the way, I'm sick of hearing that too. You know, like you said, this is the third time where we said, well, you know, we're kind of getting used to teams that are better than us beating us. I kind of want to be that other team. I want to be the team that's better than the other team and then beating them, but we'll get there. Uh, But on top of that, you also had New England lose. So we could have gone to two and two if we were somehow able to play this game just a little bit better and uh, be tied for second in the AFC East. Instead, we're one and three uh, looking up at New England, looking up at Buffalo, who's already beat us, both of those teams and looking down at the, you know, doormat of the AFC and football in general, the New York Jets. How the fuck have they not fired Adam Gase yet? I don't know, but that's a podcast and a topic for another show. Um, We're concerned about the Miami Dolphins right now. So the first quarter is over for football, which is sad in itself, Chris, but we're one and three. Uh, The offense looked good at times, looked bad at times. Uh, The defense looks like it still has some growing pains. There were some good things. I think we got decent pressure on Russell Wilson in this game. And I felt like overall, with the exception of a couple of huge plays that were just busted coverage and bad, bad football. Uh, I felt like we kept Russell Wilson in check, especially when you grade him versus the other three games that he's played so far this year. I felt like this season, the Miami Dolphins defense in week four played better against Russell Wilson than any other defense he's been up against so far. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and I would agree with that. And that's the thing that pisses you off the most is that we did what other teams couldn't do to give us a chance for our offense to put some balls in the end zone and make this a good game or even a, a, a winning game. I'll just say this. The defense played good enough to win. And that's all you can ask for when you play against Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, who basically got shut out the entire game. Yeah, one of these guys are going to beat you. DK Metcalf, he was the guy that beat us, right, individually as a player. But you could still win if one guy is beating you, not when the whole team's beating you. And that's what's been happening with the Seattle Seahawks and everybody else they've played. The only difference is we kick five field goals and we don't get a touchdown until garbage time and Fitzpatrick running the ball again. When uh, He's our leading rusher against Sam. And it's one of those things we're in a close game. We're kicking field goals. And, yeah, you can like Miles Gaskins all you want, but then hand him off the fucking football. Like, we need to run the ball more, be more balanced, let Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of get set up on a play action for a clean pocket where he can possibly set up that deep downfield shot, and we're just not doing it. So far, a quarter into this season, Sam, Chan Gailey has really rubbed me the wrong way, and I don't know why he was the placeholder here because he's not our future like offensive guy so why are we bringing him in to have guys like Tua and stuff learn under him just to possibly change it again next year or in two years um, which would be sophomore year for Tua uh, or, or junior year which is just ridiculous to switch offensive coordinators that's where these QBs get into trouble you're constantly hearing it's their fourth offensive coordinator in four years it's their sixth offensive coordinator in five years and you're like we can't do that anymore. So why are we bringing in Chan Gailey, who is uh, great? He's known for making changes and uh, being a different offense every week. Well, like I said last week, that might be more detrimental to us because we have such a young team. Yeah, maybe front Ryan Fitzpatrick can get it, and I hope he can. A 45-year-old vet uh, from Harvard. Yeah, I hope he gets it. But, you know, Preston Williams and these guys, maybe not so much. And with no preseason, that's just like the last thing you want to do. Yeah, and you know, you look at the stats, and he, meaning Ryan Fitzpatrick, had over 300 yards passing in this game, you know, which is really like 250 yards against any other defense because Seattle is historically bad against the pass. And we're not running. (laughs) And we're not running the ball. And that's really the big problem is that Miles Gaskin, if he's going to be your starting running back, then he's going to need the ball a little bit more than he has because he's he's not – breaking 20 yard runs or anything like that but he is being effective in my opinion when he Mm -hmm. is running the ball much more so than Jordan Howard who somehow has you know 13 rushing attempts 
15 touchdowns and five yards rushing. Like, I don't understand <laughs> how that guy's stat line whatsoever. Uh, and he's basically been a waste of space other than very, very short yardage on the goal line situation so far this season. But when Ryan Fitzpatrick is once again your leading rusher and passer, and quite frankly, he's tied with some other receivers for receptions as well because he threw a pass to himself against Jacksonville, you know, that's a problem. This, this is not the Randy Moss quotient here. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't need the ball that often, and uh, it's starting to concern me, Chris. I, I'm to the point where, look, we're going into week five and transitioning away from the Seattle Seahawks game, but knowing how Ryan Fitzpatrick played in that game and then seeing the announcement that the Miami Dolphins made uh, where they actually came out and said, Ryan, first of all, they said, no announcement on who the starting quarterback is going to be in week five. That was my first signal of, uh-oh, something's up. Second of all, they then did come out and said, Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting week five. Okay. That should be a red flag to everybody, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick, that he is very, very close to no longer being the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And as much as we praised him last week, and I still don't hate the guy, uh, even though we throw two interceptions, one which was terrible, uh, and he didn't really play well. And he hasn't, if you look at the stats overall so far this season, hasn't played exactly wonderful, which doesn't surprise me because it's year two of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's what happens basically. Um, but it seems to me, Chris, that we're getting very, very, very close to Tua time. And my question to you, my opinion to you, is that Tua time should be right now, should be week five. He should be playing against the San Francisco 49ers of San Jose. That is my official opinion. What say you? No, not yet. Um, and my thing is, is it's just all the things coming into play. Um, you want to send Tua out there uh, after another loss, after discussion of the possibility of him being uh, the starter, maybe Fitzpatrick uh, not having the greatest game, and you want to send him across the country and play the t- defending NFC champions. Now, albeit very injured uh, and very scarce as far as you're not going to have Bosa and Solomon Thomas coming after you or Buckner. Uh, they're all hurt and they're all done for the season. There's no uh, Richard Sherman out there uh, tricking a rookie quarterback. So I, 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 the injuries make sense, but you're still playing against Shanahan. You're still on the road in the West Coast. Fitzpatrick hasn't been the worst, and I don't know what that would do for team chemistry and even what signal that might say to Tua Tungle-Vailoa that, hey, look how quick uh, the, uh, the leash is here in Miami. Uh, the leash is quick for an old dog that's got, you know, hip dysplasia. That's what Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick has right now. Did you not see a, that? Not according to that corner he ran over in the end zone. Jesus, that guy's look, not living that down. The only reason I'm making fun of Ryan Fitzpatrick is because if he's watching this or listening to this right now, he's probably going to laugh just the way you did right there at that joke. I mean, he, he is our guy. He's our guy. But that's the thing. Ryan Fitzpatrick is so cool, Chris, that if he goes, hey, you know what? You're going to start Tua. I'll be here to help him out the entire time. The coolest oh, thing about this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, every single time they showed him on the sideline, who was sitting next to him like a puppy dog, like a small little puppy dog was Tua. And he's talking to him. He's laughing to him. He's, you know, you can tell that they have a rapport there already. Old man, young man, all that fun stuff. I'm just saying that, look, ideally, I think you want Tua starting at home, especially since the Miami Dolphins have fans at home. I think that's ideal. And personally, I think the most ideal situation would be after a bye against the New York Jets, somewhere in that, or right before the bye with the New York Jets, uh, not flying across the country or anything like that. But Tua steps up in big games. And as far as I'm concerned, this is a big game because if the Miami Dolphins can beat the San Francisco 49ers, then the Miami Dolphins have a really, 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 really good shot of being 3-3 three and three going into Week 7 because we have Denver after San Francisco, and Denver is lousy, hot garbage. So I think this is the situation where Tua should play, and here's why. Because you don't really want to start them on the road. I get that. But circumstances are what they are. If you're going to start them on the road, 
start them on the road for a team that has no fans. The San Francisco 49ers, first of all, don't really have a lot of fans to start with. But after that, they have no fans in the crowd. Okay, like, let's point that out. He's not going to be, you know, wowed by the moment. He's not going to be overwhelmed by all the crowd, you know, cheering and yelling and screaming at them. He's not even going up against that same championship game that or championship team that was there last year because of all those injuries. San Francisco 49ers just lost to the Philadelphia fucking Eagles. Okay, the Eagles are one of the worst teams in NFL this year. And they somehow beat the 49ers. Why? Because the 49ers are decimated with injuries. The 49ers are not that good. They actually brought in their third string quarterback. They benched Nick Mullins and brought in CJ Beathard or whoever the heck that was at the end of the game. They're not that good. So why not cut your teeth, Chris, against a not very good defense that's oft injured, that isn't the team that they thought they were last year, and you get that first win on the road and build that confidence up. I think the time is now, Chris. I think we're in desperation mode. We know what we have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know where we're not going with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick knows what he can and cannot do anymore. You've mentioned it yourself. He can't throw the ball the way he used to. He just can't. He simply cannot. So why not? Why not just, you know what, let's, grow, let's get the growing pains out of the way. We're doing with Noah Igbenogany. Igbenogany, damn it, I had it twice. Now I messed it up. <laughs> You're already starting Austin Jackson. Why not start the third and highest first-round draft pick of the season into a Tunga tong- Vailoa? Why not? Uh, two for four, not bad. You're shooting 50%. That's not bad for you when it comes to name pronouncing. Um, so, look, you make good points. And uh, all those things come into play with no fans. So, you don't have the element of being booed if you made one bad throw. Um, and the injuries are decimated. And, and not only that, I think our defense has a really good shot against This is our first bad to average offense they've played all season. I think they might feast. Uh, so our defense might play really well, especially if you add Byron Jones to the mix. So I, I think that could be a good thing for Tua, maybe a, even a confidence boost. But I want a real big confidence boost because uh, – if the defense is playing well and he goes out there and struggles a little bit, that might be detrimental to his mentality. I don't think he's that guy. He's one of those guys that has his own goddamn documentary and he won a national championship game as a true freshman with one of the greatest throws by looking off a safety I've ever seen. So uh, mentality wise, I don't think that would affect him. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but I think it's just best to wait until week 11 ish around the bye week. Let him play the shitty jets. Um, let him get two weeks to prepare for the game and kind of end the season. Cause if he's able to do that, if he's able to end the season, we, know it's him he's riding off into the sunset he's our guy Uh, we don't have to worry about the mid-season issues and things like that my only and one thing too because I really do lean to two applying honestly but this is us really uh going uh good cop bad cop here um and I do believe some of the things I'm saying most of the things I'm saying um but uh, honestly when Brian Flores came out and he said he's healthy but then he said as a father I can't imagine a coach sending my son out there after such a devastating injury so early just to play him. And just because the fans want to see him, that spoke to me. And it wasn't that it was, he's worried he's injured. I would hate if he had that mentality, but I think he knows this has been in the off season with Chris Greer with the gathering of picks. This has been a buildup of a long term solution. And do we need a force to out there right now? No. The Chargers were forced to because of a punctured lung and Herbert stepped up and he's second most in NFL history, uh, 300 yard games in the first three games of his career. So maybe we're missing out on that with Tua, but maybe not. Maybe it's complete opposite and they've been lucky. Maybe it's an anomaly. I don't know. And you really can't play with that because it's just you know rhetorical at this point. Um, but it's just why force them when we know 2020 is not our Super Bowl year. 
playoffs are a crapshoot. And even being over 500 is a dream probably. So why force Tua out there, given the injury history, not even a year out, when it's really not something we have to force to do? Okay, here's what I'm going to say to that. Because I I understand, again, as a father myself, I think I would have those concerns if my daughter was out playing after, you know, a a massive um, uh, hip injury that, that Tua had. But you watched the documentary, right? You, you watched it. Of course, I recorded it, and I recorded three episodes after it in case the uh, stupid funny car race went long. <laughs> Is there any indication funny about that, that entire documentary on Tua that his father wants Tua <laughs> anywhere on the sideline? For in those fact, that he's probably left more, more messages on Flores' phone than anybody. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably got burner accounts on Twitter going, start Tua, goddammit. I mean... <laughs> Tua's father is the quintessential, you know, athlete dad, right? And I don't mean that in a negative way whatsoever. He pushes his son. Like, if you haven't watched the documentary, spoiler alert, Tua goes to the beach because he grew up in Hawaii. But when Tua goes to the beach, he doesn't hang out on the beach towel. He doesn't go dip into the water and hang out and drink a beer. No, that's not. That's what you and I do. That's what the citizens of Perfectville do with our Sip Sap Koozie right here, Ronde Baxton. Tua is running drills. Tua looks at the beach and goes, oh, it's time to exercise and work out. Why? Because his dad makes him do that. There is so much weighing on this kid. If you haven't watched this documentary, I highly encourage to watch it for a number of reasons. One, when's the last time a documentary about a Miami Dolphins player was good? Two, when was it last positive? And three, watch it for his brother, because I have a sneaking suspicion, Chris, that Tua's younger brother hates everything that's happening with Tua. There's a couple of Easter eggs in there, if you know what you're looking for, that you could look at his younger brother and go, oh, he hates this. Do you remember the debate with Hillary and Trump, and he kept just inching behind her and looking over her shoulder, staring menacingly at her on camera? Yeah. That was young Tua. Just, just as his mom's hugging him, like, you're everything we wanted. We raised you to be great. And he's just like, there's there's a scene there where they're all singing right they're a very proud uh family and uh from american samoa and uh, originally and then uh, of course hawaii and they're all singing as part of this family tradition and they pan over to his younger brother and his younger brother is like you know saying watermelon over and over again but making it look like he's actually singing you could just tell he hates everything about this it's probably because he doesn't want to be on camera and all that shit but i was just looking at that like oh no we got a Cain and abel situation here but nonetheless we'll put that off to the side the point of this diatribe chris is that brian flores is trying to appeal to tua's dad on this tua's dad is tua's number one fan and he's the one that's like get his ass in the game let him save your coaching career let him save the miami Dolphins season let him save this franchise that is what tua's dad is most likely thinking about in this situation tua's healthy i mean if he's not healthy then why would you even let him practice first of all second of all this is the future and if you look at what joe burrow is doing and if you look at what justin herbert is doing you have to put tua in especially because we play Herbert and we play Burrow later this year. And you're right. Ideally, he plays against the Jets as his debut. But you know what? He's going to play the Jets anyways. I think we all think that. So why not let him get his reps against the Niners, the Broncos, the Chargers, and then when it's time to just go ahead and step on Adam Gase's throat, assuming he's still there, Tua's ready to go. The, pime has, the pump has been primed, and Tua's left arm of God is just throwing bombs because Ryan Fitzpatrick can't do that anymore to Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, you, me, your son, my daughter, everybody, because that's what Tua can bring to the table for the Miami Dolphins starting in week five. All right, question for you before we move on to the next segment. If we're worried that it's not Fitzpatrick, or slightly is Fitzpatrick, but it's also Chan Gailey, hmm. 
can he possibly um, affect Tua's play or confidence if he's not giving him the opportunity to be great? I'm happened not the biggest... Happened with Chad Henney. Happened to Chad Henney. Chad if you watch – and I hate what happened to that guy. If you watch his college tape, he is throwing bombs to Mario Manningham and Braylon Edwards for days, just throwing bombs, 80 yards, 90 yards. Ted Ginn on Monday Night Football – every game, like multiple times. He gets with Parcells and Sperano, and they're like, hey, you throw it in the crowd before you throw a pick. Check it down if you have to. Check down, check down, check down. That became the beach for Tua to Chad Henney. You just, oh, throw it deep. No, check down, because Bill Parcells is going to stick tuna in my locker. So I'm just worried Chan Gailey's not in our future as offensive coordinator, and if he's going to be somebody that's going to be inspiring and help Tua progress. Here's a couple of things. We brought it up on this show months ago when Chan Gailey was hired. Chan Gailey and Brian Flores go way back. I mean, we're talking back when Brian Flores was playing in college. That's how far back they go. There's a long tie that binds those two together. So Chan Gailey is here to help Brian Flores because Brian Flores trusts Chan Gailey. Okay. If we trust Brian Flores, we have to ride with Chan Gailey at least for one season. And that might be the agreement, by the way, Chris. We don't know. Chan Gailey might have been, I'll give you one season because I'm old and I'm kind of outdated, but I'll at least give some structure here around Tua, and then I'm, I'm going to bow out. That's very possible that that's what's going to happen. That might be the arrangement between Brian Flores, Chris Greer, the Miami Dolphins, and Chan Gailey, okay? So number one, we're stuck with Chan Gailey one way or the other. Here's the other thing. We're going to lose coordinators. If we get good, our coordinators are going to get hired to be head coaches. If we get great, we're going to lose those guys year after year after year. Bill Belichick, I hate to give him credit, but look how many people, including our very own Brian Flores, has he lost over the year. And what does he do? He continues to rebuild because he's got talent. Talent trumps everything else. Okay, Bill Belichick said it best. This is a talent acquisition business. If Tua is the talent, he will overcome somebody like Chan Gailey. Play calling could be bad, but you know what? Tua can turn around, scramble, run, and throw a ball that otherwise wouldn't happen. If he's got the talent, it's going to come through. I firmly believe that. So, yes, Chan Gailey may be a detriment. But Chan Gailey's also a vet, man. He's a pro. He knows what he needs to do, at least to make you reasonable. I mean, up until this weekend, we were talking about how good this offense looked for the Miami Dolphins, and that's with Ryan Fitzpatrick running the helm. So why are all of a sudden we just getting ready to throw the whole thing out over Chan Gailey? I mean, yes, he may call a bad game, but I think Tua's talent overcomes that. And maybe we don't win because of one over, over the other, but I think Tua can overcome that and look at this and eventually go, yeah, I don't really like that play call. I'm going to go do this instead. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think it's time. I think we're at that point where Tua Tungabaloa has to be in the game plan. Look, we have a guy named Lynn Bowden Jr. who's now taken more snaps at quarterback than Tua Tungabailoa. Lynn Bowden nice. wasn't even drafted by us. He was traded, you know, three weeks ago, and he's had more snaps at quarterback than Tua. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's time. Hashtag let Tua cook. Let Tua cook ladies and gentlemen. Well, I don't know if we're going to get to the bottom of this. I think time will only tell whether Tua plays this week or not. But here's the thing. They said that Ryan is starting. They didn't say anything about him finishing. So <laughs> I think if things go poorly against the San Francisco 49ers, Chris, it's going to be a very, very short chain on the old man, like you said, the 52-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick, who again is one month younger than me. So well, I'm going to just go and do a quick ridiculous prediction. If Tua gets in the game, he's going to throw a deep touchdown pass to Jakeem Grant because they work together all offseason on the twos, and it's going to happen. Just bookmark it, baby. Two-time. 
There you go. I'm going to tag your ridiculous prediction and, and agree with you that he will throw a long bomb touchdown, but here's what I think he's going to do. He's going to learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick and he's going to throw the ball to himself. He's going to fire this thing. It's going to bounce off the head of a defensive player. He's going to run underneath it, catch it, juke, run, and make himself a 57-yard touchdown, pass to himself to a Tonga against the San Francisco stupid 49ers. So that's my somehow, ridiculous prediction. Somehow mine was more ridiculous than yours. <laughs> It kind of was, right? Because you had Jakeem Grant doing something positive. That's why. Uh, well, why do you, can we talk about why you hate our receivers? Like, you are, are you trying to never get promoted by the Miami Dolphins unless it's your daughter's videos? Because that's what you're doing. That's how you do this. These guys in the locker room are going to, and they're best friends. Parker is going to be like, hey, uh, yeah, that guy's been shitting on me this whole time, but at least I got an apology letter. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why I'm doing it, Chris. Because what happened, ever since I shit on Devontae Parker, he's been going out there and just murdering everything. And I keep waiting for Preston Williams and Jakeem Grant to follow his lead. But you know what? Maybe they're not motivated the way Devontae Parker is. I have no idea. Maybe you need a shit on Fitzpatrick because uh, he's just not throwing him the ball. Fitzpatrick just doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit about me. You know, <laughs> Fitzpatrick is like so cool that he's just like, eh, I suck. What are you going to do? Right. I have a beard. Like that's just how Ryan Fitzpatrick is, which is why we respect the hell out of the guy. And I don't hate our receivers. I love Isaiah Ford. I love Mike Kosicki. I actually like Durham Smythe on some level. Those are um, all tight ends. <laughs> I like tight ends. What do you What do you want me to say? Uh, but uh, no, Isaiah Ford's not a tight end. Number eighty four, man, wide receiver. Um, one out of, I used one out of three. Like, I used to like Jakeem Grant, but Jakeem Grant runs the wrong way all the time. Like he's actually number ninety one, not nineteen. He's just backwards on everything. Um, and then uh, I, I actually like Preston Williams. I mean, if you go back and, w- and listen to me talk about Preston Williams last season, I praised the man up and down and everywhere. I, I just there's something there. Like Preston Williams to me has. Chris Chamber syndrome. You know what I mean? Like if if you throw the ball over here or over here, like nowhere near Preston Williams, he's going to go catch that ball. But if you put that ball right here, like right in his chest, like for Chris Chambers, it was between the eight and the four. If he, he would drop the ball more often than not. And it was almost like he was thinking too much about it. And I think Preston Williams is one of those guys where his physical attributes right now super far outweigh like the cerebral part of the game. So he just has to go up there and go get ball, grab it, run. And if it's too in front of him, it's like he has the yips or something. That's my problem with Preston is like these balls are right here, right in front of you. You have to catch this ball. I mean, this ball's great and that ball's great, but you have to catch this ball right here right in the middle and uh that's my biggest problem with preston williams right now he's got a little bit of that chris chambers syndrome well there's your week five uh, professional analysis from sam preston williams when you see balls in your face just grab them just Just grab grab the balls man they're cleanly shaven from manscaped but uh speaking of manscaped speaking of everybody chris needs a break i need a break we have to go get ourselves a nice little refreshment go pee go poo go everything we have to do we have to go uh play some commercials and pay some bills we'll be back right after these words to talk all things Niners Dolphins week five I'm excited you're excited feel these nipples it's that time Dolphin citizens of Perfectville winning season returns at my bookie what is winning season you ask well winning season means doubling your first deposit winning season means insane props epic bonuses and the craziest cross sport wagers around that's right cross sport wagers citizens at my bookie winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. That's right, cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE and double your first deposit. New players, get up to $1,000 in free play. That's right, 
designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code PERFECTFILL and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok, leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them? And we're back. I'm back. Chris is back. Everyone's back. Welcome back to Perfectville. Your first place podcast for your third place, Miami Dolphins. I'm Sam Marcou. He is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Cullen. We are part of the Fanatics Network. You're watching us on YouTube, Twitter, wherever it is you're watching us, listening to us. We thank you very much. We, uh, we love you, all the citizens of Perfectville. Uh, and we love the fact that football is still going here, Chris. We had a COVID scare in week four. The Tennessee Titans and mm. Pittsburgh Steelers uh, have to have a bye week. The New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs get moved to Monday night, which, quite frankly, that game should have been on Monday night to begin with. Shame on the NFL yeah. schedules in the first place. Um, the Miami Dolphins have no COVID cases right now, uh, but we do have a case of being one and three and going to the West Coast. You know, we just talked about the advantage of having Seattle fly all the way to Miami and play us in our home stadium. Now, we have the disadvantage of flying all the way back to the West Coast uh, to play a late game against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, what do the Miami Dolphins have to do to overcome a San Francisco 49ers team that, A, is completely beat up, B, lost to the Philadelphia freaking Eagles and are now two and two, and C, probably looking for revenge and getting D, their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, back? Yeah, if they get Garoppolo back, he might come out on fire. He might be rusty. We don't know yet. Uh, what we do know is that our defense has been on the upswing, and we've been talking about this for a while. Uh, Xavier Howard gets an interception on Russell Wilson. He just doesn't throw those. Uh, it was a great play on the ball. Now, did he give up the rest of the game every catch? Yes. Uh, but he still got an interception, and uh, we got pressure on Russell Wilson. Jimmy Garoppolo does not move like Russell Wilson. There's a lot of times we had pressure in there, um, and he broke away like Russell Wilson does because he's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's that guy. Jimmy Garoppolo, not that guy. He's coming off an injury, too. If we can get in the face of Jimmy Garoppolo, pressure him to get him to throw the ball sooner than he wants to, especially with possibly getting Byron Jones back, pairing him with the um, hopefully the play of Xavier Howard on the upswing and Noah getting a rebound game, we might just have the recipe for, uh, for a victory because they are decimated injuries on defense, Sam. Uh, Venom is here right now. Uh, Venom is here right now, and I picked him on purpose. I have a million Funko Pops. I am a nerd. Um, but as you can see, Venom is here because he has just struck and infected the IR and the team of the San Francisco 49ers, and we were playing them in just the right time. Yeah, would we like to have played Mullins instead of Garoppolo? For sure. But Kittle is barely back, uh, even though he got me 44 points in fantasy, uh, and he's going to be somebody we're going to need to really focus on and, and, and expect to be beaten by. Uh, but this is the time to play them. Even though we're going to the West Coast, it's a late game, so still 1 o'clock mentally to us. And um, I think this is the best time as ever, other than the last couple of weeks with Garoppolo out, uh, to get him his first game back, and uh, he's not going to be 100%. This is when we go after him. 
Yeah, this is an interesting game to me for a number of reasons. First of all, I I should almost label this entire episode, Sam Hates Everything and Everyone. Number one, you and I are in a dogfight for the NBA Finals. We're recording this right before Game 4, Miami Heat, Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers are up 2-1. to Heat actually came back and spanked the Lakers in Game 3. So I hate you right now because I hate the Miami Heat because I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Uh, The Oakland A's are in the playoffs. The Los Angeles Dodgers are in the playoffs. I hate the Oakland A's because I'm a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Uh, And then also the San Francisco 49ers. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, are playing the Miami Dolphins. I have no friends right now. I'm just fighting everyone everywhere, just trying to get my own self above water right now because everything's going on. I want this game probably more than any other game outside of the AFC East this season, if I'm being quite honest here, Chris. Um, George Kittle coming back is a problem. We never do well with tight ends that can catch the ball and turn around and run. That has always been an Achilles heel for the Miami Dolphins, kind of like a screen pass, right? So George Kittle coming back, he looked really, really, really good against the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're going to have to figure out him. Uh, There's going to be another guy here, Chris, that I think we're going to have to figure out. He's also going to be a problem because he is built like a brick shithouse, and that is Debo Samuel. I don't know if you've seen Debo Samuel. He's like a kegerator, like not quite a small kegerator, but like one of those garage fridges that's a little bit bigger and a little bit wider. Uh, This guy is hard to bring down. He catches everything, and he plays with aggression, and just like he's mean. He's like a mean guy. His nickname is Debo for a reason. You've seen Friday. I mean, yeah. like he got knocked the fuck out. Like yeah. that's that's it. And then you have Brandon Ayuk, who I don't know if you watched Brian, Brandon Ayuk against the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, thank you. But he actually leaped over the entire city of Philadelphia to score a touchdown, even though they were playing in Santa Clara, California. It was impressive. He is, again, a little bit smaller version of Debo Samuel. So they have some guys out there that are going to be hard to tackle. One of the things the Miami Dolphins have not done well is actually wrap, grab, and tackle, right? So we, we seem to have a lot of group tackling going on, but we don't have one guy who can tackle the other guy and bring him down. The, the San Francisco 49ers are built to have multiple people tackle them. So we're going to have to figure out a way to get to the ball and swarm on defense, in my opinion, if, if we're going to deal with those guys. Um, if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, you are correct. He's not a guy that's going to run around, especially his first game, game back. So the type of pressure that we had against Russell Wilson, I'd like to see that again against the San Francisco 49ers because I think it'll even benefit us more with somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo than it did with Russell Wilson. And then offensively, look, if they put Tua in, there's no tape on Tua. There hasn't been tape on Tua in 18 months at this point or, or 15 months, whatever it is. I kind of like the fact of Tua going out there, left-handed quarterback, seeing somebody run deep and him just firing that puppy off, just like the way he beat Georgia in that national championship game a couple of years ago. So I think offensively, uh, again, this is going to be the game. I think I've called his name out twice, but this is a revenge game for Matt Breida. Remember this, Matt Breida was one of the cogs in that wheel for the San Francisco 49ers last year when they went to the Super Bowl. And what did they do? They traded him to us for a fifth-round pick. Are you serious? You don't think he's got a chip on his shoulder right now? There's zero running backs that are healthy for the or for the San Francisco 49ers right now, other than like Jared McKissick or McKinnick or whoever that is. I think Matt Breda, this is the game where he goes to coach and says, give me the ball. I will make sure that we move forward. So I think you see less Miles Gaskin in this game. I think you barely see Jordan Howard. And I think you see uh, Matt Breda at the running back have a game where he turns around and looks at the San Francisco 49ers and go, that one's for you. You keep predicting Tua is going to play and throw a touch on pass every week. Eventually, it'll be true, and then yes. you can brag about it. So I, I'm I, I'm on to you, Sam. I've hosted with you quite a long time now, and yes, I hate you too. Uh, so I'll just move on from speaking to you, and I'll speak to you, the uh, people of Perfectville and Matt Breed. I can see that if Flores is any kind of a Patriot, uh, former Patriot uh, franchise coach, Breed is going to have the game of the season so far because that's what Belichick does. He takes your former player, Wes Welker, or the other 37 guys they signed off of our roster, and they 
they make sure to spotlight them during their former team. Uh, it's just something Belichick's not dumb. He knows the psychosis of a football player, and you're going to play your former team, the team that didn't think you're good enough, the team that wanted to trade you down to Miami, a team that was literally tanking for a quarterback the season prior for a fifth-round pick. And then that team doesn't really use you that much yet, so you are just fuming trying to prove both teams wrong. The team that traded for you, I was worth it. The team that traded you, you made a huge mistake. And God, with all your guys over there in hoodies, you really could use me right now. So that's where I totally agree with you. This is a game where you have to focus on Matt Breida. You need to just literally put it on the whiteboard for our game plan on offense. Matt fucking Breida and just go after it. I mean, I, I think if, if we're smart, we're going to Matt Breida every day this week and going, they traded you for a fifth-round pick. That fifth-round <laughs> pick, by the way, speaking of Patriots and Bill Belichick, was the fifth-round pick we got for Kenyon Drake from the Arizona Cardinals. So if you want to <laughs> add that little wrinkle into it as well, we traded for a running back with the pick that we got for trading away a disgruntled running back. But if I'm them, if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm going to Matt Breida every single day this week and going, you were on a Super Bowl contender last year, and they traded you to a rebuilding team for a fifth-rounder. That's how much you were worth to them last season. Don't you want to go stick it up their ass? I think that's what I would be doing if I was if I was the Miami Dolphins right now, if I'm Brian Flores, if I'm Chris Greer, if I'm Chan Gailey, if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick, if I'm Tua, if I'm Matt Breda looking in the mirror, I'm saying this is my game. This is my game to turn around and say, you guys made a mistake, a mistake especially now that Ryan Mostert's, or Raheem Mostert's gone uh, and that everyone else out there has just been, been decimated. They could use Matt Breda in San Francisco right now, and he, this is his opportunity to prove it to them that they made a mistake. So I think that's my breakout player for this game for the Miami Dolphins is going to be Matt Breda, but we don't have to overthink it either, Chris. I mean, we got these guys that we talked about earlier, Devontae Parker, go feed him, feed him early, feed him often. Mike Kosicki, feed him early, feed him often. Uh, Preston Williams, do it, man. Make me, make me look stupid. I'll come up here. I'll write you another, I'll write another apology letter. I got the apology letter last week from Devontae Parker right here. I'd be happy to write an apology letter to Preston Williams. If, uh, if he can prove to me that he can do anything other than catch a two point conversion. Uh, but overall, Chris, what is your final score? Oh, by the way, by the way, we talked a lot about how we couldn't score against Seattle other than field goals. Shout out to Jason Sanders, who was all of a sudden <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. I said at the beginning of the season, before the season started, Chris, I had a think, I had a hankering, I had a thinking, I was thinking about thoughts, and I thought that Jason Sanders was going to have a good season this year. And so far through four games, he hasn't missed a kick. So shout out to Jason Sanders, who actually might be the X factor in this game, other than Xavier Howard. Uh, but what is your final prediction for this game? Miami one and three. Niners two and two. We're on the road. Late game. What's your prediction? Miami Dolphins, San Francisco, 49ers. Jason the Colonel Sanders. So let me start calling them. Uh, a great game. I mean, we we needed to make every one of those even make it a game. And then uh, he kicked a pretty bad onside kick. But I, I'll, I'll let that go uh, because that game's out of out of his hands. Not his fault. He did his job. His one job, and he did it. Um, this game, moving over to San Francisco. Um, they're coming off a loss. We're coming off a loss. They're coming off a loss against a team that's been. Eh, this season, pretty bad. We're coming off a loss that was closer than it should have been against a perennial Super Bowl team, like a team that they know very well is one of the best teams in the NFC year after year. And we gave them our best. Chris Carson did play, and he played well, and he did a lot of good things. He was in and out a couple of times, but he played the majority of that game. Uh, Metcalf gave us all he could, and here we are still one possession, two, one and a half possessions off these guys. So if anybody's more confident after a loss, it's absolutely the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're getting some guys back. 
they might be a little bit pumped up about that. But honestly, Sam, this is a team that is uh, not doing what they expected, injuries aside. Um, and the injuries are one of the reasons, main reasons for that. But that just is enough to depress you as a locker room. And it's a, enough to not motivate you to go out there and play for the ship because you just feel like in the back of your mind, it might not happen this year because everybody, everything's against them. Uh, so I can see us more hungry going out there after a decent performance on defense. Uh, and, and offensively, we drove. Uh, if the field was 75 yards, we would have won that game. Uh, drove all the way down the field, long, sustaining drives that kept the offense off the field. We have the momentum in this game between these two teams. I fully, truly believe that. So I think we can go out there and completely make this competitive because of injuries, uh, because of Garoppolo coming off an injury and possibly not being not going to be 100%, and the fact that we're trending upwards defensively. If we can keep them off the field with possession on offense, finishing in the end zone, and our defense playing even – 80% as good as we did against San uh, against Seattle, especially that front seven and those defense alignment, getting pressure, stopping the run when they did. I can see us winning this game. I think it's going to be um, more of a middle ground, not a shootout like we predicted last week, which it didn't really become uh, with all the field goals, but it could have been. Um, we, we come out of this game, and I think we come out on top, Sam. I'm really am going to pick us 25-21. 25-21 Miami Dolphins over the San Francisco 49ers. That is the two-time Hall of Famers prediction, Christopher Cullen. Uh, you and I, every now and then, we disagree like we did, we did when we talked about two a little bit earlier, but every now and then, we agree. And uh, I think this is the type of game where we're going to get a couple of field goals. The Niners are going to get a couple of field goals. We're going to get a couple of touchdowns. The Niners are going to get a couple of touchdowns. But what's going to separate this is the Tua factor, goddammit. And we're going to win 27 <laughs> to 20. Tua wins coming in relief of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the Tua legend just grows and grows and grows. And guess what? At that point, if that's what happens, if we beat the San Francisco 49ers with Tua coming off the bench, I am never going to shut the fuck up in the Bay Area ever, ever, ever again, Chris. You're going to paint your car and you're, and you're going to change your license plate to just Tua. Um, and that'll be your license plate. You'll get a mini Cooper and it'll just be the color of a Miami Dolphins helmet. And you will wear Hawaiian t-shirts for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua, ironically enough. And you'll get a dog and you'll name him Tua. And then you get another dog and that dog's name is going to be Tungla Vailoa. And then you're going to get a smaller, almost dying dog and name him Tua's brother. And he'll just stand behind them weakly, staring longily that he's very upset that he's not as good as the other two dogs. And you're just going to do that and walk him in dog parts. The uh, two of his brother will be left behind and just shit everywhere. And Sam, I'm telling you, we've gone this whole show without mentioning it. It's so funny seeing you laugh in the corner there. I'm not used to that. Um, we got the luck of the Irish, Sam. I've been wearing this hat, old uh, throw the hit the cans down at the carnival type game, won it years ago. Luck of the Irish, man. Um, we are going to win this game 25 21, and uh, Tua will not play at all. <laughs> Well, I think Tua is going to play, and when he plays, I'm changing the sign from Welcome to Perfectville to Welcome to a Perfectville. This shirt will be oh. not Hakuna Matata. It will be Hakuna Matuata because I'm going to be just full-blown fanboy out right now if Tua comes in and we win this game. But I got us 27-20. You got us 25-21. This is a very close game, and that's weird to say when you're talking about the defending NFC champions <laughs> and the rebuilding Miami Dolphins. But I think because of injuries and where we're going, yeah, get Venom away from Dan Marie. By the way, if you're watching this right now, you're talking about how he's, he's really close everything to his around. You gotta move Dan Marino <laughs> away from Venom on your on your desk there. Um, but I think we both have have uh, 
have, have, have the Miami Dolphins win in this game. And that's going to be saying something because, you know, again, traveling across the continent and uh, playing uh, a team that, look, knows how to win regardless of whether they're injured or not. The San Francisco 49ers, even last week with like two minutes left, put in their third string quarterback, went down, scored a touchdown, then got the ball back and almost had a play in the end zone to end the game, which would have actually had them win that game. Uh, So they don't quit until the very end. So this is going to be a little bit of a tough one. I think there's going to be some good defense. I think there's going to be some bad defense. I think there's going to be some good offense. I think there's going to be some bad offense. Ultimately, I think it's going to come down to a touchdown difference in our favor. So you got us winning. I got us winning. Uh, we talked about the hat. We understand why we have the hat now, because I was going to ask about that. The only other thing that I think we have to talk about is uh, the worst, not the okayest, but the worst fantasy football the best league ever. Fantasy league. Best. Um, it's, it's not that great. I, I don't understand why we have 14 teams. I don't understand why my team is garbage. I don't understand any of this, Chris. What, what is happening in the okayest fantasy league ever? What is happening? Because I'm I'm in the Sky Lounge. I'm in the VIP Lounge. I don't know what's happening down below. I feel like <laughs> a king and the peasants and plebs are down there fighting for scraps as I am just eating turkey legs and drinking mugs of beer. Because, Sam, I am not only 4-0, but I won by like 50 points about against the other 3-0 and team um, and just had an absolute blast of a victory. Um, and it's looking like I drafted pretty well, buddy. I'm going to say it's only four games in. But when you're 4-0 and George Kittle's getting you 44 points and you almost didn't play him for Hooper, who got me like 20, um, that just shows how good I did. I was like, eh, okay, I'll play Kittle because of the name alone. And, man, was that a 24-point swing. Yeah, I don't even think I scored 50 points in week four. I mean, I didn't even come <laughs> close. Like, the game started and it was like, you lost. I'm like, it's still Sunday. How do you know? Like, trust me, we know. We're ESPN. We understand everything. So, I'm not doing well. I'm one in three. I, I The first three three weeks, I was scoring like crazy. I didn't score anything in this week. Uh, so, not a good week for me in fantasy at, at all. I'm in five leagues, Chris, and I, I think I lost in four of them. And in one of them, I would have won, but I had Joe Mixon on the bench because Joe Mixon Oof. is always on the bench. And, of course, he goes out and scores like 48 points. But, oh, well, uh, that's what happens when you are just okay at fantasy football. Uh, but we're not okay at podcasting. You and I are the best. We're the kings. We are the mayors of Perfectville. We're the founders of Perfectville. We started all of this nonsense here, Chris. And I'm happy to be doing this with you for season five, week five of the 2020 season. We both had the Miami Dolphins winning, uh, which means that uh, we're probably going to get blown out 45 to 10. But, <laughs> of course. Uh, before we move on here, Chris, before we call it a day, because I know that you have the Miami Heat game to go watch. I have a Los Angeles Laker game to go watch. And we're going to hate each other at least until Thursday at this point. Uh, Anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here on this very special edition of Welcome to Perfectville, part of the Fanatics Network? No, Sam. Uh, We'll see something different next week and I look forward to it. And I look forward to joining you at Perfectville again. Well, I look forward to you coming back to the town of Perfectville next week. But until then, actually next week, birthday extravaganza there chris my birthday is on tuesday october 13th so we're gonna have ourselves a little birthday bash next week uh maybe we'll have a couple more of these uh ronde bagston koozies a little more of these uh these uh adult beverages road sodas if you want to call them those uh but until then be safe fins up and goodbye from perfect bill later
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.